TheYeshiva.net. So welcome everybody, and let's now continue the Mimer. What did we learn? We began the Mimer, Zachir Es Hashanah Purim Tavshin Yudzayit. Remember what Amalek did to you, that the Rebbe said Purim 1957, quoting the Medrash that seemed very perplexing. The Medrash says that the Jewish people said to Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe, we have a problem. There is one Pasuk that says, remember what Amalek did. <clears throat> There's another Pasuk that says, remember Shabbos. How can they coexist? How can I remember this and remember this? So what did Moshe say? You can't compare a cup, you can't compare a goblet that's filled with kunditun. Kunditun is delicious, fragrant, wonderful, exquisite, splendid wine to a cup of vinegar, to a kais shalchaimetz. He says, zekais v'zekais. Both are cups, both are goblets, but you still can't compare one cup to another cup. One remembrance is to observe, to protect, to sanctify, to sanctify Shabbos. And the other remembrance is to blot out, to penalize Amalek. And of course, the big question was, and we discussed in previous classes, what's the question, what's the answer? <laughs> What's the problem? Why can't you remember two separate things? People can remember good things. People can remember negative things. You can remember Shabbos. You can remember Amalek. It's not like you have one memory in your brain for your whole life. People can remember different things. And what's Moshe's answer? Here you're remembering something to sanctify. Here you're remembering something to penalize. What's the Chiddush? And why does he need this metaphor with the cups? And from here, the Maimer went into the whole explanation of what Adalayada means. A person is obligated to inebriate himself on Purim until he is not cognizant of the difference between cursed is Haman and blessed is Mardukha. What does that even mean? Why, do we, why should we want a person not to be cognizant about this difference? It seems to be the basics of life, to know your values, to know the difference between good and bad, between holy and profane between that which is positive and that which is toxic, between that which is blessed and that which is cursed. And he quoted from the Arizal about the nitzots, that every klipa, every shell has in it a spark. And Baruch Haman means the ability to be able to bring light to that spark. So it only works one way. It doesn't mean that you say, cursed is Mardechai chas v'shalom, but it means you could say, blessed is Haman, but you can only do this when you are says, you went out of your das. And he explained at length that for this you need Adalayada, because if it's not Adalayada, then there is a very profound danger. And from this, the Maimah went into a long explanation what this means, how this works, the difference of a tzadik gomer, tzadik she'ene gomer, why Moshe Rabbeinu was scared to come to Parai, and Hashem had to tell him, I'm coming with you. He explained at length the difference between Yada and Adala Yada, two different types of serving God, and the difference between the two. And when a person is in a state of Yada, indeed, they have to be extremely careful about their boundaries because the klipa of the other can trigger my klipa and I end up in a mess, in an abyss. Only when the person is in a state of Adala Yada, which he called Bittl B'Metzias, 
there's a deeper state of consciousness, of oneness, where then you can extract the spark. And this was the question of the Jewish people. This was the last the last year. The Jewish people said, if there's really Shabbos, if you're really remembering Shabbos, not just in a remote or cerebral way, but you're really breathing in the experience of Shabbos, it would seem like a Amalek doesn't occupy space. So you don't have to tell me, remember what Amalek did. Because when you say, remember what Amalek did, it means that Amalek has an impact. It means that I have to remember it in order to erase it, because it plays a major role in my life. But if this real Shabbos, Shabbos Lashem, as he explained at length in the Maimer, then what do I have to remember? As we said before, then even when I'm facing my internal Amalek, as we explained, I only see, I identify the spark and I extract it, and then the Ra just falls away. So Moshe told them something that is very, very profound. Moshe said that there are two types of pleasures. There's Tainug HaPashut and Tainug HaMurkov. And we explained that when a person has a void, there are three different things that can happen. One is I distract myself from the void. I distract myself. I don't fill it. I just get preoccupied with something. In that itself, there's two levels. There are healthy distractions, or at least fine distractions. And then there are destructive distractions. Addiction is the classic example of that. I'm distracted. I feel good at the moment. Even benign, you know, I could be binging, right? I go to the pantry to eat in order to deal with my stress. I may go take a drink. I may check my phone. These are all distractions, and sometimes they can become addictive and they can become extremely counterproductive. But the common denominator is I'm distracting myself. Then there is what's called tainug. Tainug is I'm actually filling myself. I'm actually triggering my cords of pleasure. But here there are two levels. There's tainug hamurkav and tainug apashat. Tainug apashat is the pleasure that comes from outer stimulation. There's something outside of me that generates stimuli and it evokes, it triggers, it arouses my inner tainuk. And then there's tainuk apashat, which is called under simple pleasure. Tainuk apashat, which is completely, completely from within. He says, one is the level of Shabbos, one is the level of Yom Kippur, especially by Ne'ilah. One is, one is more connected to Shabbos today and one is connected to La'asid Lave, to the future. In Shabbos itself, it's the difference between the first two meals and the Seudah Shlishis, which is why Seudah Shlishis, halacha focuses less on food, and according to Rabbi Shimon by Yechai and the Zayah, you can even fulfill it through Torah, even though we don't paskin like that. But the point is that the pleasure of Seudah Shlishis is already a foretaste of Yom Shekuli Shabbos and Menuchah L'chaya HaElama. So Moshe Rabbeinu is telling the Jewish people, that since your experience of Shabbos is that you have to sanctify Shabbos, you have to remember Shabbos. In other words, Zachar Sema Shabbos You gotta bring in the food, you gotta bring in the outer stimuli. It's not the Tainuk, it's not the pleasure of La Asid Lave, it's not Tainuk Apashat, it's Tainuk Hamurkov. I know these are complicated themes, so I'm gonna just remind you, if you could, to listen to last year, for those who don't remember it, so you can understand it a little more specifically. So Moshe says, therefore, 
there is still space for Amalek. There is still space to be triggered by all types of shells and husks, and therefore you still have the Zohar Esh You still need to remember Amalek because Amalek still occupies space in your life. And for this, he needs to give a metaphor. And the metaphor is, he says, there are two cups, and you can't compare the wine to the vinegar. Literally, the interpretation is what? They're not a contradiction. You remember Shabbos, you remember Amalek. You're remembering, it's two cups. This is remembering, this is remembering. This is wine, this is vinegar. Question is, what's the Chiddush of Amalek? Of course. <laughs> remember and remember, right? You could remember Moshe Rabbeinu and you could remember Hitler. <laughs> you could remember Shmuel Anavi, you could remember David Amalek, you could remember Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Yechon Menzaka, you could think about the Rashi, you could think about the Rama, you could think about the Baal Shem Tev, and then you could think about Chmelanetsky and about Turkmenistan, you remember. You remember vinegar. You remember wine. You remember that which is delicious and wonderful and tasteful, and you remember that which is sour and horrible and not edible, and it's going to cause your stomach to turn. What's Moshe Rabbeinu saying? There's two cups. Remember and remember. This is wine. Rabbi says no. He's saying something much deeper. When he says he can't compare the cup of wine to the cup of vinegar, but they're both cups. <laughs> so even though they're opposites, the Hezvah Stutzach, even though they're opposites, Avada, Shabbos and Amolik are in different spectrums. <laughs> Avada. But Zekos Vizekos. He's not just saying you remember this, you remember this. He's saying, because even the Tainug is in a Kois, it's in a Keli. You're still in a Keli, everything is still contained. In other words, it's being filtered through a Keli, through a vessel, through a container. In other words, it's compressed within a medium of limitation. It's not Adalayad. I didn't yet break my Keli, we spoke about breaking the glass under the Chup. And really, if you go to the first chuppah, if you go to the first chuppah, now we're adding something. We go to the first chuppah of the Jewish people. The, the Mishnah says in Tainas, Chavav, B'yoyim chasunos is a matan The day of the chasun was matan What happened by that chuppah? The glass broke. <laughs> Moshe broke the luchas. The Maharshal writes, in Yam Shal Shlem, Marshal was Rosh Hashiva of Lublin in the 16th century. Rabbeinu Shloim Aluria, Maharshal, one of the great rabbinic sages and figures of Poland of the 16th and 17th century. Marshal writes in Yam Shal Shloim that the reason we break a glass under the chuppah is, most people say, for, for Yerushalayim, for the Beis Hamikdash. He says, because at the first chuppah, Moshe broke the luchas. Moshe broke the tablets. When he came down with the tablets, he broke it. So we also break a glass. I ask you a question. Why would we want to remember that? <laughs> this is Marshal says. It's a fascinating Marshal. It's very, very deep. Very deep stuff. But here we're learning something. And that is, when the Jewish people received the Torah, it was an incredible experience. But it says in Medrash that with the first luchas would only come Chumash and Sefer Yeshua. 
all the other svarim of Tanakh and the whole Teresh Peh only comes with the second luchas. It says in Medrash, Parshas Kisis, that Moshe was so upset that he broke the luchas. He was in a very, very melancholy state. So Hashem said, don't worry, with the second luchas you're going to get Mishnah and Gemara and Braise and Tesefta. The whole Teresh Peh, the infinity of Torah, where you see the infinity of Torah, comes with the second luchas. Why? So the Lubavitcher Rebbe once explained it's in Lakut Esichas Kisisa, volume 26. Because after the brokenness of the Luchas, the Jews were opened up to an infinite experience of Torah. Because as long as I'm self-contained, even if I'm spiritually healthy, there's a smugness. And the smugness doesn't allow for the Ein Soi, for the infinity. When Moshe broke the Luchas, he also, the Jewish people's hearts broke. And when there are cracks, the light can come in. When I'm complete, I'm also not vulnerable. And when I'm not vulnerable, I'm not a keli for infinity because I'm a keli. And when it breaks, the Shriya Saluchas, it opened them up to the experience that's beyond Caleb. And as we said, every chuppah needs this because we're going to make mistakes. And what do we do with our mistakes? We're not going to be perfect. We're going to break things. But are we going to learn from it? Are we going to open ourselves up to tshuva? And we also explained in last class that a real relationship means the ability to go out of my kalim, not to be protected in my kalim. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, Avadi can't compare the two. This is a vinegar, this is wine. But zekois vizekois. So it's not only he's saying they're different. Of course they're different. He's saying something deeper. Even though they're different and they're opposites, they're both cups. And because even the Tainug of Shabbos is in a kois, it's not Adelayada. So therefore you have to be aware that you're still vulnerable to the triggers of Amalek. And therefore you have to gonna remember Amalek. You have to know what's there. Don't get depressed. Don't get angry at yourself. Don't get meshuga about yourself. Oy, Amalek! Zekois for Zekois. If there's a cup of wine, ultimately it lends itself for there to be vinegar. Ultimately it could become vinegar. Why? Because the person is still in a state of Tainug Hamorkov. And that's why Zachar HaSashah Amalek, he says, goes for generations. Midur, dur. And Chazal tell us even during the Mashiach, because even after Mashiach comes, as long as the Gilui of Mashiach is not fully manifested in the world, it's still contained in a Keli. So there's still room for the Avoid of Zachar Sashos Chamalak. This is a very brief summation of what we learned. Again, you can go back to the previous classes to be able to understand this Maimer better. And now let's continue inside Seif Vav, page 158. Please look inside. <laughs> to bring this out in the void of a person. The reading of Zachar is a mitzvah esim in a It's a biblical commandment and according. To some opinions, it's an obligation even on women. They also, that's why many women have the custom to come here, Pasha Zacher. If you didn't hear Pasha Zacher, 
You come to hear that when you hear the Megillah on Purim, Purim, we do it again. And this gives us the ability that a whole year we say Zacher. There's many people who have a minute to say every day the Sheish Schiris. And one of the things we remember every day is Zacher In other words, it's a mitzvah that we fulfill every single day. But the Shabbos Parsha Zacher adds vitality. It gives Chiyos, Chayos, to experience this every day. This means that remembering a Malik is not just an annual experience, you know, a cultural, interesting ritual, remember. It's really somehow the Yiddishkeit wants this to be part of my Avaida. One of the ideas here, the way it relates to the Jewish people, one of the applications of what we learned, because what we learned till now, of course, we try always to bring it down in a way that it can be applicable to people. But now the Rebbe is going to specify that every union you learn has to be able to be integrated in my life. So he says, There are those Jews that you could call them Shabbos Dikiyidin. Talmidei Chachamim Ikr Shabbos. It says in Zohar that a Talmud Chachim is called Shabbos. <laughs> you know the joke about this, yeah? Why is a Talmud Chachim called Shabbos? Because a whole week you have Google. So you don't have to be a Talmud Chachim. But Shabbos, there's no Google. So Shabbos, you have to be a Talmud Chachim. But the truth is that this says in Zayar, and also it's intimated in Gemara in a few places, Brachas Daf Memzayin, Shabbos Kufyutes, as he brings in the footnotes. A Talmud Chachim is called Shabbos. Why is Talmud Chachim called Shabbos? What's Shabbos? Shabbos is a day when every Jew is in a higher space. A real Talmud Chachim, his whole life is Shabbos. He's sitting in the base Medrash, he's sitting in the Blad Gemara, he's sitting in the Dalar Amas of Torah. The divine providence has placed them in such a beautiful spot, has given them such a beautiful portion that the primary occupation of their life is learning Torah. And their organic spaces in the four cubits of Kedusha of Holiness completely immersed and submerged in Torah and in Tefillah and in Chesidus. On the other hand, Wow. The Rebbe, the Rebbe describes the other extreme. Also very idle. There are those that their seer. Their tzir means their form of life, their structure of life. They find themselves in a position that the Alter Rebbe once said a mimer on Shabbos Parsha Zacher of Tov Kuf Mem Zayin, which is 1787. The Rebbe spoke about this mimer earlier in the Fabrengen. I'll, I'll tell the story probably next year. And the Alter Rebbe said a mimer, and he said then that Amalek Begematria Sofik. The numerical value of Suffolk is Samach Fei Kuf. That's 180 plus 60 is 240. Reish Mem. Amalek is also 240. Kuf is 100. Ayin is 70. 40 is, another 40 is 210. And Lamed is 30 is 240. So the Alter Rebbe says the numerical value of Amalek is doubt, Suffolk. Why? 
Amalek puts into your head the following doubt. Is your avoida avoida? Meaning, is anything worth anything? Or you're just one big piece of baloney, worthless, consequential, you're a hypocrite, you're a liar, you're deceptive, you're meaningless, you're avoida is valueless. A Malik wants to make sure that you're cold, apathetic, indifferent. It says, What does mean? Most people translate, he chanced on you, he encountered you. But Rashi brings from the Medrash, from the word kar, cold, he made you cold. It's a person who finds himself in a lowly spot where the person doesn't have life, animation, warmth. There's no passion in Kedusha and Torah Mitzvahs. So you have two Jews. You have a Jew who's in a place of Shabbos. And you have a Jew who's in a place of Zachariah. You have a Jew that his whole life is consumed by Torah. It's Shabbos, a Shabbos dika life. And then you have a Jew who's doubting if he's worth anything, if his avoid is worth anything. There's a coldness, there's an apathy, there's an indifference, the exact lack, the opposite of Shabbos. Two different types of Jews. Of course, when we speak about two different types of Jews, it doesn't only mean two separate people. It could be the same person. <laughs> it could be a person on Sunday and a person on Monday. It could be one person in this hour, another person this hour. But it's also two different types. No, now listen to this. What's the what's the vart here? <laughs> this is here the vintage Lubavitcherneb. Vehine Eilur Shemibchinas Shabbos Yeshmakim Lekosal Kadaita Chetzlam Shemitzad Goydel Malosam Ein Lem Shaychus Klan Leilur Shemimaim Adamatzam Shal Safik Ukridus. Those who are in a state of Shabbos, the Talmud Chacham, he may think that because of his great virtue, because of his great Milah, because of his great holiness. He doesn't have a connection at all to those who find themselves dominated by Amalek's doubts and by Amalek's apathy and coldness. It's what the Jews told Moshe. If we're really experiencing Shabbos, we have no Amalek. We're not connected to Amalek. I don't have to remember what Amalek did to me. Amalek doesn't do anything to me. Amalek is non-existent in my life. It's when a person decides I am so healthy, I am so wholesome, I am removed from Amalek. I am immune. My immunity system is wonderful. So he says this is sometimes the experience of the great Talmud Chacham, of the Shabbos the Jew. What do I have? a connection to the Jew who is controlled by doubts, by Suffolk. He's not sure his avoid is an avoid. The Jew who's overwhelmed by coldness. On this comes the directive of our teachers, our leaders. Told the Jews, no, <laughs> don't disconnect so fast. You're not immune to Zachinus Ashrasal Chamalek. As he said, it's taka different cups, but it's ultimately two cups. And therefore, Amalek can also be part of your life. The situation of those who are connected to the doubt 
and the coldness of Amalek is relevant also to those who are in a state of Shabbos. Kivon Shekol Yisrael Arevin Because all of the Jewish people are guarantors for each other. So therefore, I can't disconnect from you and you cannot disconnect from me. We are all interconnected. It's known, this says in the Sefer, Taimei HaMitzvah of Reb Chaim Vital. He writes, Shemitam zahayarizal emer kol prate haviduyim ashamnu bagadnu v'chuli. Kiliyosim uravim kol Yisrael yachal gamu lemer ashamnu bagadnu v'chuli. Kichol prate yanam shenimnu baviduyim. Reb Chaim Vital says, why would Arizal, who was a complete tzaddik, say all the confessions? Ashamnu we sinned, and Bagadnu we betrayed, and Gazalnu we stole, and Dibarnu Daifi we spoke negatively, and we distorted, and we were wicked, and we, we, we robbed, and we lied, and we created deception, and we gave evil counsel. And you know what he says? He says because Darizal knew that he is connected to everybody. It's like one organism. It's one body. Ashamnu, Bagadnu. We're all connected. My behavior affects you, and your behavior affects me. And your consciousness, you may be playing out what's inside of me, and I may be playing out what's inside of you. It's not so black and white. Here's a Shabbos Jew, and here's an Amalek Jew, and they can't meet, and I cannot get down from my high chair, from my elevated throne, and come down from my ivory tower and connect to you. (laughs) It's a pasnish. This is a Jew who's in such a lowly state and I'm in such an elevated state. Moshe Rabbeinu says, you have to go a step deeper and you realize that there's a deep, deep connection. We all affect each other in a very deep way. In fact, you may be just expressing what's deep inside of me. And I'd be expressing what's deep inside of you. He once learned you remember about the Menorah that it was miksha achazov, right? You had one piece of gold and then you hammered it out. So the Alter Rebbe says it was all one piece of gold and then one part goes to the top and one part goes to the bottom. It's really one piece of gold. So he says, when you see toxicity in somebody else, he says, it may be my own. <laughs> You're just playing out. You're expressing what's inside of me that I never expressed it. I'm blaming you. You're so horrible. Really, you're just expressing what I never had the courage to deal with. We're all integrated. We're all connected. You know what the Baal Shem Tov said? Arevim means mixed. Taruvis. And Arevim also means sweet. All Jews are sweet to each other. And therefore we're responsible for each other. If this was true even about Darizal, that he could do all the confessions of Shamnu Bagad, Nugazal, why? Because we're all interlaced and interconnected. Certainly, he says, when it comes to souls of our generations. Therefore, what's the practical lesson? What does this mean practically? When a Jew finds himself spiritually in a state of Shabbos, he shouldn't detach from such Jews. He shouldn't think, it's not for me. No, I need to go out of my comfort zone and connect with every single Jew, even a Jew. 
that it seems like he or she is so much connected to Amalek, the doubts of Amalek, the coldness of Amalek, because I want to empower the sparks in these Jews, like we spoke before about Baruch Haman. Blessed is Haman. Before we were talking about Haman, but the concept is that even when you're seeing shells and husks, there are sparks over there. So instead of running into and retreating into your own cocoon, no, go bring out the light in those sparks. And that's where you'll help them to go out from their own distress into their own expansiveness, from their own agony into their own enlightenment. Sometimes it comes a day like Shabbos, it comes a day like Yom Kippur, it comes a regular day and I see people Maybe I see them in shul, maybe I see them in the street, maybe I see them in a restaurant, maybe I see them in my house, maybe I see them in somebody's house. And my natural instinct is, I want to disassociate, I want to disconnect, I don't want to go there. Why should I get dirty? Why should I get filthy? Why should I get connected to this? I'm completely in a different world. He says, chas v'shalom. Moshe Rabbeinu says, you're connected. In fact, the reason there can be this reality is only because of your reality. Zekais v'zekais. Ultimately, this cup is connected to this cup. And I have it a little bit inside of me. And even if I don't have a little bit inside of me, but there's a deep, deep connection here. So instead of running away from my own truth and running away from their truth, it says, go and bring light to their nitzutz. Go and bring light to their spark. V'oidin it's much deeper. It's not just help somebody else. That's also true. It's not just to help other people. That's true. It's your children. It's your brother. It's your sister. It's your family. It's your body. He says it's even more. Even when you think you're disconnected from Amalek, if you go a little deeper, you'll see that the dysfunction belong, also exists inside of you. Zekais <laughs> v'zekais. Inside of me there are also doubts. And inside of me there's also coldness. He says, maybe it's bedakos, maybe it's subtle. And that person is triggering what's inside of me. In other words, the reason I don't like you, the reason I'm disassociating from you is because you're reminding me something that I am uncomfortable with and I did not work through. If I really worked it through, I would not run away from you. I would be fully present because I don't have to run away from you. The reason, you hear what he's saying? The reason I'm detaching from you is because there's something inside of me that's being triggered. This is so true in life. You know, we often say, I just want to get away. I want to get away because you're reminding me of who I am. And I don't want to deal with it. So therefore, I want to run away. If I was really, really wholesome, remember, if I was in a state of Adelayada, I could be fully present. I don't get this ball from Clippus. The reason I'm being triggered is because the Amalek in you is triggering the Amalek in me that is repressed. So even these Jews need help. I also need compassion. I also need salvation. I'm looking at myself, oh, I'm so good. You're a Nebuch case, let me have Rachmanes on you. He says, no, I also need help to go out of my own doubts, to go out of my own apathy, to go out of my own indifference. How do I get that help? 
only when I get involved in the life of the other person who's struggling, the life of the other person who's struggling with Amalek in a much lower level, that helps me as well. I'm not just doing you a favor. I'm doing me a favor. It allows me to work through my own blockages. Only when I help you work through your blockages, only when I can remain present and help you find your own spark, does it help me. Hashem gives me the reward, but many times many times more, Hashem sustains all those who have fallen, that I should go out from my own doubts. And I should go out from my own brokenness and from my own coldness relative to my level. And furthermore, he says, Hashem helps you go out of your limitations until you reach your merchava atzmi, true infinite expansiveness. In other words, it's not just I get help to go out of my coldness. Even if I go out of my coldness, I'm still limited. I'm still in a kois. I'm still in yada. It's only by going out of my tzir, going out of my own little cup, going out of my own little cup, and going into the other cup, and helping them get out of their cup, get out of their, their shells, their husks. Now Hashem helps me that I can now transcend my own. Not just transcend my coldness, but transcend my mitzrayim, my mitzorim, my restrictiveness, my gvula, my limitations. And touch real alakus, touch real infinity. The only way I can do that is by the contact that I have, the connection, the intimate relationship that I have with that Jew who seemingly lives in the world of Zohar Esashrasalakamalik, and I'm living in the world of Zohar Semashabas Lakachoy. Moshe Rabbeinu says, keep them connected. Do not become exclusive. Amnam. But here is the condition. In order to be successful, since you're dealing with people who may be in a difficult state, they may be in a lowly state because they are dominated by the doubts and by the coldness of Amalek. And my job is, I want to be able to help them see their spark. I want to give kayak to their spark. So that's the concept of what we spoke about, Baruch Haman. Extracting the spark that may be hidden in difficult conditions. Blessed is Hama. We said, when can a person do that? Only Adela Yada. When I'm in a state of Yada, when I'm in a state where I'm busy wrapping my brain around things, where I'm more brainy, where everything is more cerebral, where godliness is accessed through my finite brains, then I will not be able to do this. This is only when I'm in a state of Ad, the Loyada. As explained earlier in the Maimer, 
So he says, therefore, when it comes to the lesson, we have to understand those who find themselves in a state of Shabbos. And you really, really humbly want to connect to every person, including yourself. The part of yourself that's busy with Amalek, I need to go into a space of Loyad. This means, even though generally Avaidas Hashem is in a state of Yada, there is knowledge, there is perception, there is cognizance, there is trying to understand. It's called Tam Vedas, the top of 160. And as a result of this, I cannot bless Haman. From time to time in my life, I need to be able to open myself up. We need to open ourselves up to the avoid of Adaloyad until you don't know, which is called the avoid that's beyond Tam and Das. That means, what does this mean? It means that the person in order to really, really be able to be in a space where I can identify the godliness in all of the shells and all of the husks, including myself, if I'm going to force myself to be in a state where I have to understand everything, where I need to wrap my brain around everything, where I need to get it, I won't be able to go there. Because I'm an akais, I'm very contained, I'm very limited. And these triggers are too powerful. They're very, very powerful. You have to be able to surrender the brain. Adalayada. I have to be, go, go into a place of Lamaila Mitam Vidas. I have to go into a place. Not that, as I say many times, not that you shut down your brain because we don't believe in thinking. Chasvashalam. We believe in thinking and understanding and reaching the ultimate levels of Yada. <laughs> Judaism never delegitimizes the intellectual process of understanding whatever you can understand and comprehending and growing more and more and more and integrating and assimilating into Chachma, Bina, Das. On the contrary, Adala Yada comes after Yada. It doesn't come before Yada. First is Yada. First you got to fill up the cup. Kais, I just realized, cup is cup and cup is cup. Cup. You got to fill up the cup. But then you have to realize that the cup is also a container. You have a seven ounce cup. Maybe you have a nine ounce cup. Maybe you have a 12 ounce cup. Maybe you have 16 ounces. This one has a liter. This one has a gallon. And this one has 10 gallons. And this one has a cup of 40 saw. It's a mikvah of 40 saw. <laughs> it's a big cup. You have a big cup. A basa cup. And as long as everything is processed in a cup, which means practically, I need to understand and I need to make sense of it and I need to fit God into my box, then ultimately when I come in contact with my own amalek, with my own traumas, what does trauma tell me? My avoid is not avoided. Do you remember the Alter Rebbe's definition of amalek? Suffolk, doubt everything. Your avoid is not avoided. Your life has no meaning, your life has no dignity, you're a waste of time, your avoidance Hashem is a waste of time, God hates you, the whole world hates you, everything is a waste of time. And you're cold, that's the next step, indifferent, apathetic, it's like a little dead. I may go through the movements, but there's an element of coldness, there's an element of kritis. 
with yada, it's going to be very, very hard to deal with it. I have to be able to go into a place of Adlayada. Adlayada is a very deep avoider. It doesn't come through just drinking alcohol. Trust me, that's not how you come to Adlayada. If you work on yourself, <laughs> and then you say, put him a little lechayim, fine. But it doesn't just come from uh, Glenlivet or from a good wine. <laughs> that's not how you come to Tainugapashit. <laughs> Avoid of Layada is the person really, really surrenders their entire identity and allows my seichel, my middis, my heart to be able to become a conduit for infinity. And that's called Tnua Samasiris Nefesh. Very interesting words. It's the Tnua of Masiris. Masiris Nefesh we usually translate as sacrifice in your life. But here he says Tnua Samasiris Nefesh. What's Tnua? You know what a Tnua is? Tnua means it's the motion, it's the muscle of Masiris Nefesh. What does Mesiris Nefesh mean here? Mesiris Nefesh here means, I listen to the definition. Mesiris Nefesh means here, I'm ready to go out of my familiar definition of self. Did you get the definition of Mesiris Nefesh? I am ready to go away. I'm ready to give up. Mesir, I'm ready to give up. Nefesh, my familiar identity, my familiar go-to. Or we could use these words. I'm ready to step out of my predictable neural pathways and carve out new neural pathways in my life. And let me tell you, that's a form of mysterious nefesh. Why? Nefesh is identity, self, my soul. This is what I'm used to. This is my comfort zone. This is my go-to place. This is where I live in, so I lived in my whole life. Mysterious nefesh means, can you give that up? That's deep mysterious nefesh. Don't underestimate this. There were times in history, Mesiris Nefesh meant something else. Thank goodness, for most of Klal Yisrael today, we don't need that level of Mesiris Nefesh. And Hashem should protect all of our brothers and sisters who are in a difficult predicament, especially our brothers and sisters in Ukraine and all of the many refugees. What's Mesiris Nefesh in my life today on a practical level? It means not getting stuck in the pathways of my neurons that are that are so predictable, that I'm so accustomed to. And that's la yada. La yada means can I open myself up to not knowing. I don't have to know. I don't have to control. I don't have to have it stuck in my own brain. I can open myself up. That's Mesiris Nefesh. I'm ready to give up my comfort zones, I'm ready to give up my predictable trajectory of what myself has to look like, what my life has to look like, what my children have to look like, what my marriage has to look like, what my relationships have to look like, what my identity and life have to look like. I'm ready to give that up. La yada. And then, I'll be able to face my own Amalek, I'll be able to face the Amalek and somebody else. And not only will I not get overwhelmed, I'll be able to release the good energy, the sparks that are there. We'll be able to find the goodness that's in the trauma. We'll be able to find the holiness that's embedded there. And the Ra will fall away because it's only living from the sparks that have been distorted. 
So he says, this, remember, this part of the Maimer is about the practical lesson. That E.E. doesn't say here, loyada every moment. I'm not going to be loyada every moment. But he says, from time to time, I have to be able to re- be ready to go into that space. V'oidza is furthermore, Shavu, the third line from the top, Shavu, dosim, l'may l'metam v'daz, b'zman amiyuchadim, l'ay t'shar, z'man b'fnei atzma. Elatiyanim shechiz v'chederiz, b'chalashan l'kula b'seidin avoyder shalpitam v'daz. Furthermore, it's not just put him. A person's avoid beyond their own intellectual identity should not only remain a unique time, but it should permeate the whole year, even when I'm functioning on a very cerebral level. In other words, even a regular mitzvah, a regular day, where everything is predictable, (laughs) and you have a to-do list, and everything is defined by my mind that tries to wrap itself around my day and make sense out of it, it should still have the the consciousness of Adalayada. Similar to what the Rebbe Rashab explains in his, in, he has a kuntras called kuntras avoid. He explains that there's moments in life when your Yechida comes out. Yechida means the core of the soul, the Adalayada of the soul, the absolute connection with infinity that is beyond any containers and any trappings. Sometimes it comes out by Ne'ili Yom Kippur. And we know what it says in Zaya that Yom HaKippurim is named because of Purim, right? Purim is like Yom HaKippurim. Yom HaKippurim is Kippurim. So by Ne'ili, he says, when a Jew opens themselves up to Yechidah, the whole year is changed. Everything is higher because the person is in a higher state of consciousness. So he says, when we speak about Adelayada and Purim, it's not just on Purim you should try to be there. Purim, crea- Purim is the focus, but it's really something that even on a regular day, a regular Monday, a regular Tuesday, a regular Wednesday, it's those one of those regular monotonous days, I want to always have that ability to switch <laughs> From yada to lo yada. Never get stuck. Avada, not every day is Purim. Avada, not every day is Yom Kippur. Sometimes, I'm, I'm, I'm working with a very, a person needs to be predictable. A person needs to have a lifestyle. That's a, you need a schedule. You need structure. You need kalim. We always speak about it. Oiriz bekalim, right? You need kalim. Toyu, there's no kalim. Tikkun is oiriz bekalim. You need oiriz and kalim. But don't get stuck in the kalim. Let the kalim not be a trap. The kalim are part of the purpose. They're not a trap. What happens sometimes in life is my kalim become a trap. <laughs> they trap me. Kalim is not a trap. Kalim is a method. Kalim are methods, not traps. That's the difference. The kali is a method to be able to communicate things in an integrated way. But the kali is not somewhere where you want to get stuck in. I have to be able to break the glass. You're married? Every day in the chuppah, you got to be able to break the keli. Purim ad And then the whole year, everything is different. This especially emphasized the days of Purim.
He says, this is even more emphasized on Purim. Why? Yim Kippur, there's no eating, there's no drinking. Purim are days of feasting. They're days of joy. It's days that you're supposed to send gifts of food to your friend. And what type of gifts? Food, beverages. I send you an orange. I send you a bottle of wine. I send you a piece of fish. I send you a piece of chicken. Somebody once came to my door, Purim with Shalach They brought a pie of pizza and a, ca- and a bottle of Coke. So it was unusual Shalach <laughs> I said, what? They said, listen, everyone gives Shalach with every toxic food that exists in the world. We wanted to be practical, probably Purim afternoon. People are hungry, your kids are hungry. So here's a pie of pizza with a bottle of Coke. So you have what to eat. Mishlayach Manas Ishlireyeyu is food and drinks. He says it's inyanim pnimim. It's not. The, the idea of purim is, inyanim pnimim means things that go into you. Food is something that becomes part of my bloodstream. Drinks, beverages, are something that becomes part of my body. It's called inyanim pnimim. It's not makith. Yim Kippur, nothing goes into your body. Yim Kippur is a day of transcendence. Purim is a day when you eat. And you not only you eat, you feed other people. There's a mitzvah to have a meal, and there's a mitzvah to drink wine, and there's a mitzvah to give gifts to poor people, and a mitzvah to give food to people. Mishlaya, the only time of the year there's a mitzvah not just to give money to the poor, but to give a gift of food to my friend. What does this represent? He says, inyanim pnimim. Food goes into the system. Food you integrate. Food is not makif, food is pnimi. It's avayda pnimis. What does this represent spiritually? Things that go into my system. They become integrated. That's what food is. That's why it's so important what you're eating and how much you're eating. Because the food becomes part of me. It goes into my bloodstream. So Purim represents not a day of transcendence, of escapism to another world. It represents a day of integration. Nonetheless, we say, the party of Purim has to be Adlayada. So Purim represents a very powerful moment of synthesis. On one hand, we want integration. On the other hand, we want Adlayada. This happens, this is what learning chsidus is. Learning chsidus, he says, real learning chsidus, that's what it is. What is chsidus? Chsidus, he defines here one word. It's integrating adalayada. That's what it is. Not escaping into adalayada. Integrating adalayada. Eating it up. Drinking it up. There's people who learn chsidus, they're learning. That's not what chsidus is. The main thing is maisa. The main thing is how it affects my life. person could learn and learn and learn and learn and learn, but when it comes the bottom line, they lose it. <laughs> The trauma goes, the trauma takes over and it's all gone. It's nice for a shir. It's nice, you come to a shir, you hear a vart, you read, it's very gishmak. And sometimes I even get inspired. He says, that's not what we're talking about. The person's behavior is consistent with the bechain, with the application of learning. In other words, if I'm learning and I'm not applying it to my life, it's not being integrated inside of me, it's not affecting my behavior, ultimately I'm missing the core ingredient. What learning chsidus and applying chsidus does is, it takes the adalayada and imbues it and infuses the ayada with it. 
that the Tnuas HaMasiris Nefesh, the motion of going beyond my predictable neurons, my predictable self, for this I have to go beyond what my brain always accepts, because my brain is a limited keli. That's what it does. But the Chiddush is, it permeates. Chodiris means it permeates. Zechoder. It infuses, it fills up that da'avayda, according to Tamvedas, that my daily life, which is based on schedules and structures and containers and cups, everybody has a schedule, everybody has responsibilities, that's a normal life. But you never get stuck in the keli. The keli is a tool. It's not the ultimate goal. It's a tool. That's the difference. The keli is an important tool. The brain is a blessed, blessed divine tool. But it's not a place where I get stuck. So he says, only when I go into that place can I really face my own Amalek. Because if not, from a place of Yoda, ultimately, Amalek can, very be, can be extremely overwhelming. Because it undermines me. It's very, very scary. And Amalek and somebody else, I lose it. You meet that Amalek in your child. You meet that Amalek in your teenagers. You meet that Amalek in other children. You meet that Amalek in yourself. It's like, oh my God, I'm out. Either you repress it, you run away from it, you deny it, you criticize it, you delegitimize it, you fight it. Again, we go back to fight or flight or freeze. Those are our responses to Amalek. But when I'm in a place of Adalayada, I could maintain my full spiritual serenity. Why? Because my relationship with God doesn't have to be defined in a certain way. So I don't become uncomfortable. I don't become triggered. My relationship with God is very, very powerful. It's, 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 it's beyond Caleb. It's infinite. And I just allow myself to become a channel for something that's higher. I don't have to wrap my brain around it. And in simple English, it means I ask myself, what is my mission at this moment? What is my opportunity at this moment? I don't have to control the narrative. I just become a conduit, bitl b'metzias, adalayada. It's a very, very, I'm telling you, it's a very deep avoided. This is not simple stuff. <laughs> this is, I want to say it's a lifetime of work, but it's really every day. It's an opportunity every moment. It's not just a lifetime of work. It's moment by moment. And then everything changes, he says. So first the Rebbe said, the lesson is, Moshe says, don't detach from Amalek. Don't run into your Shabbos and say, oh, I'm not connected. Everybody's connected. Number two, you also need it. <laughs> They're bringing out what's inside of you. You also need it. You also have your issues. And by connecting to this, you'll be able to help yourself as well. But the only way is when I introduce Adelayada. And Chsidis is that, uh, it's that way of life, it's that way of thinking that is always integrating Adelayada with Yada. Because it's not about running into Adelayada. It's bringing the Adalayada into Yad. Uklala saying, you know, I want to learn one more paragraph here. It's not a hard paragraph. Uklala saying, you know, the general summation of this theme is, First, First, you always have to remember what Amalek did and what Amalek does, and you have to be able to erase Amalek. The way 
we can do it through our work, through our deeds, through our avoidish. Generally, I have to be able to be doicha, reject Amalek in my life. It's called surmeira, stay away from negativity. And then furthermore, and afterwards, when it comes to Amalek, we see two different psukim. Parsha Zacher, we say, You should blot out the memory of Amalek. And Parsha's B'Shalach, Hashem says, I'm going to blot it out. So the Rebbe says it's two different things. There is as much as you can do, and then there's what Hashem does. I could get rid of Amalek as much as I can through my own work. But as the Gemara says in Meseches Yuma, a person sanctifies himself a little bit down here, and God sanctifies you with a tremendous amount of holiness, many, many more times as much. The example for that is, as the sun orbits, you know, thousands and thousands of kilometers, yeah, the shadow moves only a few inches down here on Earth. A little movement down here on Earth is affected and affects heaven many, many times that amount. So he says a person sanctifies himself a little bit down here, and the Kedusha that you get from above is enormously more powerful. So he says, there is me erasing my own Amalek down here, and then there's Hashem saying, now let me erase Amalek. When I do my work, the consequences from above are quadrupled and even more than quadrupled, many, many more times. And the way Hashem erases Amalek is in a way that is far beyond my capacity, where you find the complete spark and you bring out the spark. It's similar to the teaching of the Alter Rebbe on the Pasuk and Parsha's Tzav, which is actually this week's Parsha. And in the Maimri says the Parsha from the Shabbos from which we're coming, because that was Parsha Shmini. A perpetual fire should burn on the altar it should never be extinguished. The fire on the altar in the Beis Hamikdash had to always burn. So the Alter Rebbe said, Alter Rebbe said as follows. Literally, it means there should burn a fire on the altar. It shouldn't be extinguished. The Alter Rebbe said like this. Extinguish the loy in your life. What is the loy? Loy means the negative, the not. All that which seems toxic and undesirable. I have to be able to say loy sikhba. I want to extinguish that loy in my life. And then he says, Hashem will take the loy and transform it into hain. He'll take the negative and transform it into positive. The first step is you have to be able to create boundaries, not let Amalek control you. Step B is transformation, because if you jump ahead of yourself, you get very stuck. The first thing is loy. I have to be able to extinguish the loy. And then he said, the Hashem 
will take the loy and transform it into hate. What does this mean in a person's life? When I'm becoming dominated by those internal traumatic forces of Amalek, the first thing is you have to have awareness. This is Amalek. This, is, this can be very, very sinister, very destructive. You have to be able to have those boundaries to know, I cannot let you define my narrative. Then you can come to a deeper space. What's the deeper space? Hashem will blot out Amalek. He'll help you transform it. He'll help you find the inner spark that's hidden there and take it out, and then the Ra will fall away. And this theme is very much connected to the entire perspective, to the teachings of Chassidus Chabad. It's very rare that in a Maimer, the Rebbe should uh, define what Chassidus is. But this was a unique Maimer. You'll see in the next year what I mean, that it was a unique Maimer, if you haven't figured it out yet. The Inyan of Chassidus Chabad is one thing, to access Loyada, to access the Oifen Avoid of Loyada. And that's what allows you to be able to bless Haman, which means, as we explained before, to extract a spark. Chsidis is not afraid of anything. Why not? Because when you're in a place of Adalai Yada, you don't have to be afraid. When you're in a place of Yada, you have to be very afraid. <laughs> Blessed is Mardachai, cursed is Haman. But Chassidus wants to bring you to Adelayada and wants Adelayada to be infused in my life. I'm not afraid of Baruch Haman. I'm not afraid of the Haman inside of me. I'm not afraid of the Haman inside of you. I'm not afraid. Why am I not afraid? Not because Haman is not dangerous. He is dangerous. But I'm not afraid because I'm a conduit for infinity. If I'm a conduit for infinity, I'm going to find the truth everywhere and I'm going to stay connected to the truth everywhere. And that truth is developed on two levels. One is boundaries, surmeira, knowing what is Amalek, what is not Amalek. Number two, that's me blotting out Amalek. And then there's God blotting out Amalek. It's two avoiders. Machoy timche and machoy emche. This is what I can do and this is what Hashem can do. So he says, the whole Indian of Chesedus, which allows you to access loyada, which allows for the Baruch Hamam, Hamam, as the Tzamech Tzedek, who said over the word from the Alter Rebbe about the fire on the Mizbech, continued to say, Generally, sometimes when people have very deep secrets, they hold on to those secrets themselves. You don't give out the secrets of existence because it could be dangerous or you don't feel so secure about it or you don't want it to fall into the wrong hands. The Tzimach Tzedek says that the Alter Rebbe was given a fire, a divine fire that is manifested in his teachings of Chassidus Chabad and Nohag Batoiv Ayin, with his good eye, with his kindness, he gave it over to all those who are immersed in the learning and in the application of Chassidus. So this is not something that he kept for himself. The Eish Tamid was given with a toiv ayin, with tremendous generosity. The Gemara says that Hashem gave Moshe a gift 
But Moshe, Nohag Batoiv Ayin, Toiv Ayin, who Yavoyrech, with his good eye, with his love, he gave it over to everybody. So the al gave the secrets of the Chassidus, the secrets of Chassidus Chabad, the ultimate, ultimate DNA of existence and of beyond existence, Adalayada, to all those who are involved, to all those who are dedicated, to all those who are immersed in it. It's not a private club for exclusive people who have access to these secrets. He says, no, that's not what the Altarebbe did. The Tzemach Tzedek says, Nog b'toiv ayin, He gave it away to everyone who's immersed in the Pnimiyas HaToyr, in the learning of the depth of Toyr, and applying it and living with it and sharing it with other people. It's all about love and generosity. It's not a club of exclusivity. You know, it's Egenet, it's Mishaloni, it's only for me and you and the inner circle, you know, who know, the, who have access. It doesn't work that way. Everyone has access. It's the truth of reality. God doesn't belong to one person or a few people. It's every Jew. It's the whole world. And the Tzamech Tzedek continued about helping other people. That It's not just about yourself. Somebody who learns Chassidus with another person. And you arouse in that person his own divine fire, you create the loy sikhba, you extinguish the negative, the loy, Hashem helps you to transform the negative into the positive, which means to elevate the negativity and to transform it into goodness. So by when I reach out to somebody else, just like the Alter Rebbe did, and I bring out the fire, not only in me, but I help somebody else light his own fire. How do I help somebody else light his own fire? By the absolute genuine commitment to somebody else's goodness and somebody else's welfare. It's not about control. It's not about manipulation, chas v'shalom, exploitation. It's rather realizing that this fire exists in every single person. And I have the privilege and the schus to help you light your own fire. So it's not just I light my fire. You light the fire outside of you in somebody else's heart. You help them find their own fire. This creates the loy sikhba that I can extinguish my own loy and then Hashem helps me take my loy and transform it into hay. This is the sixth section of the Maimer where the Rebbe took the first part of the Maimer, the first five chapters, and applied it in a person's life using a hirah, he wanted to give a lesson. He said everything has to be a lesson in life. So he took the first five chapters of the Maimer and he applied it in a practical way in people's lives, how they deal with their Amalek inside of them and how they deal with Amalek in other people. Instead of dismissing them and quarantining themselves and disassociating, the Avoid is the exact opposite. Absolute integration and absolute connection. But the only way you can do that is if you have Adalayada, if I'm not in the case of Adal, I'm not in the state of Adalayada, then indeed I have to be very, very careful with Baruch Haman. Only in the case of Adalayada can I be truly, truly one with everybody because I become a conduit, I become an ambassador of love, of light, light, of healing, of, of authenticity, of redemptive consciousness. So when I light my fire on that level, I can help others light their fire. On that level, we're going to continue and finish the Maimer Be'ezer Hashem before Purim, because here the seventh chapter goes into the last piece of ultimately understanding Esther's tra- strategy.
in throwing a party of Adelayada, Hashvedish became drunk, Haman became drunk, and Purim happened, what that means, what happened over there, that story, at the end of the story, that's going to be the seventh chapter and how it applies to life, that we're going to learn Wednesday morning, 7.30. So please remember that the Maimer, we're not going to do Thursday, usually we do Thursday, it's going to be Wednesday, 7.30, which is Titus Esther, and I want to remind you that Thursday night, which is of course Purim, after the Suda on 18 Forshe in our Shol Archaim, we're going to have a big, big Purim Fabrengen, Purim Kumzitz and Purim Gathering with hot food and music and inspiration and of course Adaloyada. In the meantime, I wish you a beautiful, inspiring, uplifted day, a day that fuses Yada with a little bit of Adaloyada. Question. It sounds to me that Mesiris Nefesh means being a cycle breaker. Yeah, that's part of it. It's that ability to be able to give up to surrender that cycle, to go beyond that orbit, to go beyond the predictable. It's scary. It's very scary. Because this is the space I'm comfortable in. This is my comfort zone. Somebody says in the past, Mesiris Nefesh meant to give up your life literally. Today you're saying Mesiris Nefesh means to give up the way I see myself. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. To give up the way I see myself. Yeah to go beyond my trauma and my wounds and my fears and my insecurities and my amalekes and my beliefs that I'm detached and I'm broken. And sometimes it means I have to give up certain things in my behaviors and certain reactions and certain triggers. Yeah, whatever that is. Certain addictions. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.